Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. If you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're watching The Mandalorian, Jack and I have a podcast for you. Every week, we'll discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian and talk about other great content and maybe some not-so-great content on Disney Plus as well. As two lifelong Star Wars fans, we have a ton of fun geeking out over all the little details of the show, and we want you to join us every Monday. So search for Disney Plus Reviews. That's Disney P-L-U-S Reviews. Hey, Phil, how about that, Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda says, What's the podcast? Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that is here to bring you all the news across this great world of ours. It's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most weekends or available for download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Hoss. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he doesn't get paid to distract me. He does it for free. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Ahoy! And uh, each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else in the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. His stories can only keep him company for so long. It's Juan Fernandez (laughs) Paris! Welcome, Juan! Hey, guys. Happy New Year. Thank you for having me. Yeah, hey, happy, happy new, new year, year to you as well. Uh, Juan is my friend from the Critics' Choice Association. Uh, I believe we met on one of those LA trips uh, last year, maybe the Irishman, something like that. I think so, yeah. And uh, and so we got a chance to hang out there and get to know each other. He is a film critic for El Nueva Dia and WAPA in uh, Puerto Rico. So uh, hanging out on an island uh, right now, every day yeah. for your life. You live wow. on an island. What's island life like, man? Uh, it's all you would expect it to be, except <laughs> with, with the pandemic. But I'm, I feel right, that we're still, still locked out that I was able to. We, we switched houses this week, and we were able to feel the breeze of the beach and the warmth for oh. the new year. So, so yeah. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I just, like, got all your audience to hate me instantly, so I apologize. <laughs> well, I kind of uh, left you there. I apologize. Uh, We've got a little bit of snow on the ground, so, you know, tomato, uh, tomato. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, like I said, I like I've I've done the winter thing, and I will take the Caribbean 
eat all every single time. Man. So, uh, you know, it doesn't whenever, seem like that even tough of a choice, really. No, <laughs> no. Whenever this is over, you're more than welcome to come on over and visit. <laughs> Don't tempt me, man. Don't tempt me. Yeah. You'll hear that knock on the door before you're even ready. <laughs> it's like, we'll, we'll, we'll be done with the show. And an hour yeah. later, Andrew's like, I know there's a pandemic, but I'm knocking on your door, yeah. man. I need yeah, a place to Yeah, it's like, stay. I'm here. Hopped on a plane. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, Happy New Year to you as well, Juan. And thank you so much for hanging out with us on Sif Pop. Uh, it has been really fun. We've been doing a lot of... Uh, a lot of guests over the last uh, couple months, and it's been really fun to bring all these different perspectives and different peoples onto the show to talk about movies. And it's been an interesting, we talk about, you know, how the pandemic has affected us in so many different ways. And certainly there are many, many negative ways the pandemic has affected people and people's lives. But there are also these interesting little changes uh, that have become a positive thing. And we, we used to do the podcast, Andrew and I used to do the podcast in the same room. You know, he would come over and we'd re- record the podcast and and the pandemic forced us to figure out a different way to do that. And then once we had figured out that way, we're like, wait, we can be, bring guests on this way and do like do that thing we haven't done in a long time. And it's like it's been this really neat kind of little bonus uh, aspect of changing of the evolution of the show to be able to have people on. And we're we're glad you're one of them. We're glad you're here with us. Oh. Well, my pleasure. Yeah, now you can talk to you know film geeks from all around the world, which is pretty right. Cool. How cool is that? How cool is that? <laughs> yeah. It's not just Andrew sitting. You know, Andrew and I sitting in this room in you know Southern Missouri. It's you know I and- wasn't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's I'm Andrew hearing. and I and somebody else who's hanging out in Puerto Rico. You know what I mean? Like that's you know that's yeah. that's really cool. And and I'm glad that 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 you're hanging out with us. So yeah, so we've got news of the world that we're going to take a look at today and review that. We're also going to review the Midnight Sky. Uh, both of these mm-hmm. debuting on Netflix very recently for the award season. Um, I, Netflix strategy is a spaghetti strategy. Throw it all up against the wall, see what sticks. Uh, it's incredible how many, you know, awards contending quote unquote movies they've they've thrown out here uh, towards the end of the year. Uh, we'll talk about those. We're also going to do best ever challenge uh, for best ever movies with the word world in the title. Um, <laughs> and there are more than you would think. There are so yeah. many movies that have the the word world in them. I got a good list. Yeah, I'm 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 pretty proud of, of one of my picks. Oh, I nice! I like it. I like <laughs> it. I'm excited to hear it. And of course, we'll do our buried treasure at the end. Uh, but let's go ahead and kick it off. Let's get into the first review. Let's talk a little bit about news of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Captain Jefferson Kyle Kidd, and I'm here tonight to read the news from across this great world of ours. So they pay you to tell stories. I ain't never heard of that as a thing a man can do. It's not a rich man's occupation, as you can see. Hey! Stop! Stop! I'm not gonna hurt you! Do you understand English? Dolly, I call that, uh... Friend. Five years after the end of the Civil War, Captain Jefferson Kyle Kidd crosses paths with a 10-year-old girl taken by the Kiowa people. Forced to return to her aunt and uncle, Kidd agrees to escort the child across the harsh and unforgiving plains of Texas. However, the long journey soon turns into a fight for survival as the traveling companions encounter danger at every turn, both human and natural. This is, of course, Tom Hanks. Doing his thing in this movie again, and uh, what did you guys think? We like to kick off our reviews by putting it in one of five categories. Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Andrew, what are you going with? Uh, First off, it's Kiowa. 
people. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I think I, I really like this one. Uh, it, somewhere in between liked and really liked. But yeah, okay. I like, really like this You're one. You're in the liked it category. What about you, Juan? Yeah. I'm, I, I mean, I, I'm going to say liked, but I, I, I was very close to just okay. And I can tell you, I think it has to do, it's kind of baffling to me that if you were in social media or particularly Twitter where the hot takes are just like, you know, falling from the sky <laughs> for no particular reason. Right, yeah. But the whole, there was this article, I will not submit to the clickbait. I'm just going to say what the, the atrocity that they said, but I'm not going to name the, the, the mm-hmm. outlet, um, where Tom Hanks has, hasn't really been in a great movie. And I'm like, what? Like, and that's the thing. Like, it just wants you to click and have that discussion. So I right. think because... It was Hanks with Greengrass. Uh, that they've worked in Captain Phillips. Maybe my expectations were too high, and not to say. And that's the thing. Like, I'm not going to say just okay because there is this one. Per, like, the cinematography is fantastic, mm-hmm. and there is this one uh, visceral, fantastic, uh, suspenseful sequence right there in the middle of the movie that validates it and elevates it to not just okay. So I'm going to go with I liked it. Good, good. It's it's really interesting. We're all in the same category, but I think in three different worlds of that category. It sounds like Andrew <laughs> is high side of liked it. You're low side of liked yeah. it, and I'm like straight yeah. up liked it. I like this movie. Yeah. Uh, like right, yeah. dead center in the middle. Liked it. Uh, had a really good time with it. Uh, I'm down for almost anything Tom Hanks does. I think he's so talented. Uh, and he has a movie star quality that you don't often see anymore where it's just like, I just like it because he's him on the screen. Like, that's not something that mm-hmm. used to be the key to movies. It used to be, I like this person. Star power. Yeah, the star power in this movie. And Tom Hanks is one of the few remaining that I'm kind of like that with. I'm like, you know, it can be Greyhound this year. It can be News of the World this year. It can be whatever, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and I'm just like, yeah, it's Tom Hanks. Bring it on. Uh, I love it. I will say, I mentioned, it is Greyhound, right? The boat movie that he did with uh, Apple yeah. TV. I do like that one more if we're comparing Tom Hanks Yeah, movies. I was going to say. I do I, like Greyhound more. I don't know if I like that movie more. I think I like them both about the same. But I love his performance more in Greyhound. And it's interesting as we kind of get to award season and thinking about performances, those kind of things. If I were to nominate a Tom Hanks performance, I'd almost want to nominate the Greyhound performance over this one. Um, because mm-hmm. I think it's so much deeper and more interesting. Um, not that there isn't depth or interesting things going on here. Um but yeah, so the Hanksness of it all is something that I think kind of <laughs> puts it right in that liked it category for me. Um, let's talk about the the Western aspect of it, because Andrew, I know you're a big fan of of westerns, and this is this is a Western movie, right? Like, wouldn't you put it oh, firmly yeah. in that category? Absolutely, yeah. Um, this is uh, it does something that I absolutely love, and I was this is one of the first things I wanted to talk about actually. So thanks for that segue. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's an element of westerns I don't see done too often, but I yearn for, and that is a reminder that this was a time in utter civil unrest where danger lurked around every corner. For me, watching this movie during the whole thing, I was waiting. Like, I had this sense of, oh, there's impending doom any second now. There's going to be a stray bullet that just comes out of anywhere or an arrow or something like that where you never feel like these characters are safe. Even when they're just talking, I'm like, okay, they're talking and I'm listening, but I'm I'm waiting. Something's going to happen. And it's, it's beautiful. Uh, that can be led to uh, stylization, cinematography, stuff like that. But it's just great world building. And I think that that's what... Uh, a good western does is that it it transcends and it like sends you as the viewer 
and it puts you in that world and you feel like you're taken there. And I think that that's one of the best things about this movie. Yeah, I'm not a Western fan, generally. Um, not to say I don't like Westerns. I just don't have a lot of experience with them. In fact, I've been catching up on some Westerns recently. Um, I watched Stagecoach, which was kind of one of the first, very first, you know, Westerns. Um, and I, I'm, they're kind of hit or miss with me. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I get why this is good. And other times, like I just watched, what was it? Um, oh, The Searchers, the John Wayne uh, mm. movie, The yeah. Searchers. I didn't really enjoy it. I, I don't know what it was about it. Like, I couldn't quite get into the, like, the element of that character. There's something about Westerns that, I, that, I, that it's hit and miss with me. Um, and I think it has to do with, I think the, the idea of that, like, Western mentality is hit or miss with me. Like there's a there's a masculinity a masculinity to it that I don't always identify with. You know, like a, a there's a a gruffness to it that I don't know. So bringing that to here, one of the things I liked about this western was I felt like the Hanks character was uh, more humble than I was used to, and definitely more you know trying to figure it out. And some of my favorite scenes of this movie were him problem solving and him you know trying to use words to do the trick of guns you know and and that yeah. really is kind of what this movie to me was about was this idea of you know your words can be your weapons uh even more than you know the iron at your hip kind of thing and um i don't know i, I really dug that about this movie so that's probably why i ended up ended up liking uh this movie um want yeah. any other uh, general thoughts on the film well i I feel that, yeah, like I, I, I get Phil's point, uh, but I did enjoy sort of the, and it's not done in an outright way. So maybe, I don't know. I feel that I, maybe I'm seeing everything through 2020 eyes. Thankfully mm -hmm. we're in 2021, sure. yeah. but I did like, <laughs> uh, I did like spotting uh, sort of the divide, you know, this is after civil war and, you know, the wounds haven't healed yet. And, and sort of the, the, the divide between the, how different people have been reacting and congregating and, you know, they mention the president's name and everybody starts cursing, like the little touches that, that are, okay, this happened a long time ago, but there are similar uh, uh, elements to what mm -hmm. we have been going through. So I thought that was really smart. Um, and I also like that the main character is a storyteller and, and you know, and the storyteller through facts, which I, because he, he reads the, the newspaper headlines, but he does it in a way, it's kind of like the first newscast sort of before there were newscasts. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And I, and I like that aspect of it, but I have to say, I mean, I think that Hanks can do this sort of role with his eyes closed. So I was sort of yearning for something different from him and it felt very, I felt very that Greengrass does the same thing he did with him in Captain Phillips. Like he puts this Hanks character in a lot of like in a boiler pot situation, mm -hmm. and then at the end he gets an, an emotional release, uh, which it makes it powerful for the audience. But because I could spot it, you know what I mean? It's, sure. I think it's one of these things that happens from watching too many movies that you're not just able to get into it and just enjoy it. So it might be my fault. Uh, um, but yeah, like I would have wanted. It looks different and it talks different, but I felt there were too many similar stuff uh, to what they did in Captain Films. I would want it something different from him and from Hanks. I, I mean, not that I want Hanks to play a serial killer, but it, but it, yeah, <laughs> but uh, could work. But I mean, I, I mean, I, he could, but that's what I mean. Like, it's been a while since he did something like Road to Perdition, where it was truly a departure from what he did last. Like yeah. he. Like this guy and the guy from Greyhound, they're not the same, but they're cut from the 
from the same cloth, uh, morally speaking. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I want something else from him for the next one. Yeah. yeah I, uh, I think, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead, Andrew. Uh, I was going to add on to that with uh, Tom Hanks. Uh, I think a, a way I would say it is that I've seen him transform into a character so many times that whenever I see him doing a whole bunch of stuff on the surface, that's re- really uh, subtle and it doesn't, I, I felt okay. Another, I was watching Tom Hanks. I wasn't watching a character. Like whenever I was watching, uh, uh, won't you be my neighbor or a beautiful day in the neighborhood? I can't remember which one. They both came out the same year around the same time. So whenever <laughs> he was doing the Mr. Rogers movie, I saw Mr. Rogers on screen, you know, mm-hmm. whenever I watched, uh, this I'm like okay, it's Tom Hanks in a western. It's not like I saw oh that's Captain Kidd. That's not Tom Hanks. It was more on the surface, and I didn't see any transformation. Uh, but I want to go off of that because we haven't talked about Helena Zengel, who is the young girl in this movie. Yeah. I think she's phenomenal. I think she does a great job. Where everything is, all of her emotions and thoughts are evoked through her eyes and, you know, her her mannerisms and stuff like that. I thought that was the fascinating performance to watch in this one. So good on her for drawing my attention to her instead of Tom Hanks. So I thought about for a uh, young girl. I thought about it. I agree with you, by the way. I, I, I love uh, is it Helena or Helena? Do we know? I think it's Helena. Sure. Yes. Um, I'm not sure, uh, but I love <laughs> yeah. her performance and uh, Johanna. Was, we can just follow Johanna. Johanna. <laughs> Johanna. Yeah. Uh, well, and I was I was going to uh, tr- troll the interwebs and uh, Twitter by uh, accusing News of the World from uh, stealing Mandalorian's um, uh, plot. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> well, I mean, if you're gonna go that way, I mean, this is not the the Mandalorian and News of the World, and it's not the first time <laughs> no, somebody know. has to trek across that's, the landscape. That's why it would deliver a, a child. That's why it would have been a troll. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but yes, but well, Mandalorian is kind of a western too. It's just a space western. No, totally, totally, yeah. and that's and that's kind of the yeah. joke, right? But it, it really is kind of a similar <laughs> thing, right? Like you know, Tom Hanks has his Grogu. You know, like it is. You yeah. know, it's 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 kind of one of those things where you're like, oh, I really see. It, it kind of brings the the Western elements of Mandalorian even into a greater light when you see it done in an actual Western, and you're like, oh yeah, this feels very much the same. But I, I really did like that part of it in that that caretaker part of of him because it it genuinely seemed authentic to me. It seemed like an authentic response for who that character was in the way that he decided uh to take on that responsibility and what he decided to do with it and without giving anything away and i don't know that we need to to do necessarily a sif spoil with this one and spoil anything but um but without giving anything away i i found the the end very affecting because of it like there's a choice he makes toward the end um and i I just i i thought it worked really well um the other thing i wanted to mention that i liked and why it, it lands firmly in the liked it category for me is the green grassness of it. And specifically, there is one scene that I feel like allowed green grass to be his green grassiest. You know, like he, <laughs> he, there, there, is a, there is a moment of, I'll just say action or intensity, um, suspense, tension, uh, that he is so good at. He really understands how to... Uh, bring you along as an audience with the information you need to understand why something is tense. And I, I fell in love with green, uh, green, uh, green grass, uh, like many people with the Bourne movies. 
but then even uh, even more with United 93, which is still one of my mm-hmm. my uh, favorite movies of all time. It's weird calling that movie a favorite, by the way, because it's not one I it's want to rough. continue. It's a rough movie to watch because yeah. it's based in reality. But it's powerful. And, but it is. It's extremely powerful. And part of that power, I do believe, comes from Greengrass's ability to put you in that moment and to really authentically make you feel what's going on there. And I think he does that here in a very specific scene. And I think it's the highlight of the movie and, and one of the, reasons, the reasons I come away really enjoying it. Um, so, so yeah, that's, I think that's why I land mostly in the liked it for this one. Um, mm-hmm. Do we, do we have any, go ahead, Juan, what were you gonna say? No, no, I agree. I agree completely. I agree completely, but I feel you're right. I, I, I mean, I, I do like more, he finds organic ways of, of, of building the tension in yeah. this and in United uh, and Born the Borns. I mean, he does it, but I, I, I'm still not over the the shaky. I, yeah. I, I want I want to see the action happen. I don't right. want to like be. Uh, I don't know. I have a little bit, but but yeah, building tension. He's he's a master yeah. of that. It doesn't matter, uh, and and doing it organically, not in a sort of uh, build upon or aesthetic, you know, fake way. Yeah. Well, we've done enough praising of this movie we like. Let's cut it down to size. Uh, what, what, <laughs> what were some of the things that you didn't uh, enjoy about this? Andrew, you want to kick us off? What uh, Since you liked it the most, what is? Uh, yeah. what are some of the things you didn't uh, like? Uh, I don't know if this is a sign of just seeing so many movies and, you know, seeing uh, twists and turns that a movie can take, but I'm, I'm picking it up now on, like, a, whenever characters talk about things, and I'm like... Uh, you're trying to subvert my expectations with this, or you're trying to mislead me about a story arc that's going to come to light, you know, down the road towards the end of this movie. And actually, uh, Midnight Sky did it as well, worse than this movie. <laughs> but um, uh, that's one of my things where I'm like, you you're, you think that you're telegraphing your story so uh, witty that I won't be able to pick up on what you're doing, but really, I'm like, you're just... I don't know if it's just me seeing it so often. I'm like, yeah, you're just dragging this on. Like, you don't need to because you're not fooling me or anybody, I think. Mm. So that's my really one negative. So what- Other than that, I do think that this movie does have some lulls and some, uh, uh, I'll just call it the scene in Fort De- Deuss Machina, <laughs> like uh, where I'm like, okay, this was completely irrelevant other than... you. Other than just yeah. another, we needed another moment, another we set needed piece. another, yeah. yeah, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm totally on board with that, and I think you mentioned my main negative, which is in, in this goes with a lot of westerns, and it is part of the reason I have trouble connecting to them sometimes. But there's a definite pacing to westerns that gets a little tedious to me, and, mm. um, and maybe it's just a modern movie watcher's uh, issue. And but but then again, I'll watch something that's not a western that has a slower pace. But I'm living in that world more, and I'm feeling like, you know, I'm okay with it because I'm experiencing the world. And but with westerns, for whatever reason, I just I disconnect during those times. And I had a few of those uh, in in News of the World where I was just like, oh, okay, let's get on to the next plot point. I'm you know I, I want <laughs> to get there. Um, so, but it, it was fairly minor for me. Um, what about you, Juan? Um, I'm gonna be obviously I am in the minority here. I did not connect not that i want to say that it's a bad performance but i did not care about the kid i have to say which mm. is kind of which is kind of like 
you have to care about the kid for for the journey to sort of work. You right, know what and that's I mean? not necessarily well, an acting thing. That that could be a story thing, a relationship yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It just it's just that I feel that that I could see the setup of oh the kid is going we're going to find out or he she's going to thaw whatever is emotionally repressed. I couldn't stop seeing the kid as a the plot device or a character. You know what I mean? It's not sure. Not that I don't think that I don't agree with what Andrew said about the performance because I think the the actual actors did really well in the role. Mm-hmm. But I feel that the role feels very contrived in, in a way, or I've seen that kind of role in a western before. So I kind of like I just it wasn't it wasn't and and, and everything sort of hinges. Of course, once we get to that sequence where they're basically. Hanks is saving the kid from these awful people and it comes down to mm-hmm. sex trafficking and all that sort of sure. stuff, you know, like, which is terrible. Well, then, then you care, you care for the kid's safety in a basic human way. Right. But when we get back to the story and how their relationship is built, it just felt very conventional and been there, done mm-hmm. that type of situation. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I didn't connect to it that way. Uh, do we have any final thoughts on uh, news of the world? I, I saw somebody in the chat. Uh, Evan mentions that uh, his wife loved the book, uh, so that they're going to watch it together. And I, this is a weak spot for me. I just I'm not a reader like a lot of people are. I should have learned to read by now. No, I do know how to read. I'm not a reader, <laughs> but but I but I don't get into books in the same way that a lot of people do. And I, I not to put you guys on the spot, whether you've read this book or other books with movies or whatever. But does that impact your uh, enjoyment of movie when you have read the book and then you see the movie how did you know is that something you can see having an impact in this movie i find i find that when i, I, I be, be, before if somebody i was inter- a filmmaker i was interested or an actor was interested in making a movie i would read the novel before it came out right and i found that what that the, the cliche whatever i had in my head was never going to be what the filmmaker or right. what the actors were going to do so what i do is if I really like a movie that is based on a novel, then after really connecting with the story throughout the movie, I go to the novel. I haven't done that in a long time, uh, but there is this movie coming out in February where they're pushing it for awards called French Exit. It has Michelle Pfeiffer. Right. In a, uh, and I, I do want to read that novel now because I feel that it, that one has a tricky tone to it that probably works better on, on the page mm-hmm. than on, on what they did on the screen. So I'm very intrigued. It's the first time in a long time that I, I've wanted to go to a book after watching uh, a movie because I feel, yeah, if you've read the book, it, it's always that exercise of, oh, well, that didn't happen or that was different or I didn't I didn't see it that way. So it sort of detracts from actually the, the experience of watching the movie. You're just comparing it to whatever you had in your head. So I don't yeah. enjoy doing that. Yeah. And it's not fair to the movie either. So, uh, Andrew, any final thoughts on News of the World? Uh, no post-credit scene. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Uh, Juan, any other final thoughts on News of the World? I mean, it's fine. I just want Hanks to do something better uh, or different. Not better. Different. Different. Yeah. Fine. Uh, well, uh, he needs that. to make a good movie finally. I mean, he's been around long enough. Yeah, he needs to he, make a good one. Yeah. <laughs> he, it, it's been all downhill since Buzzing Buddies. I have to yeah, tell you. It's just yeah. been crap after crap. <laughs> after crap. Uh, yeah, uh, that poor guy. He needs to, he needs to you know... He needs to do something to, something. to prove that he's good. Something, yeah. yeah. Saving Private Ryan was a drag of a movie. Sure was. Sure was. <laughs> yeah. you, you don't believe uh, that. Speaking of Bosom Buddies. <laughs> 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, all right, let's move on to the midnight sky. Why is it so quiet? That's either. It's a spaceship that we hoped would be our future. I have to warn them about the conditions on Earth. I don't know all the details. It started with a mistake. There is an antenna that's stronger than ours. We get to that antenna, they'll hear us. Take a deep breath. A lone scientist in the Arctic races to contact a crew of astronauts returning home to a mysterious global catastrophe. Uh, this stars uh, George Clooney. Uh, and I think I've heard of him. I think I've heard of that guy as well. <laughs> He's, he also, yeah, that guy. He also directed this, correct? And he's had you know a few movies that he's directed, um, which maybe we can talk about that as we get into this review. Uh, but yeah, what did you guys think? Do you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Juan, we're going to start with you this time. What category would you put it in? I liked it, and I feel that I am in the in your where you were with News of the World. I'm like I firmly straight in the middle, liked it. Lo- yeah, yeah, straight liked it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Andrew. Uh, low side of okay, teetering on didn't like it. <laughs> Andrew, you and I are in the dead same spot. Uh, I, really? I have I'm having a hard time saying I dislike this movie. Um, yeah. But it's, for one scene, but there's one scene that's keeping me from going. Well, I didn't I like mean, this movie. Yeah, there's there's a couple things for me, but but I but I, it, it's weird because it's one of those rare instances where I don't want to say I didn't like it. And, but I don't also want to say it's just okay because it's a little less than just okay, and so it's like yeah. it's almost one of those <laughs> it's one of those weird instances where you know low side of just okay is the only way to say it, and I, I think I'm I'm right there with you, um, uh, Juan. You seem to like it the most, so tell us what you enjoyed about this movie. Yeah, uh, once it, once again, standing all standing all <laughs> alone. Um, I mean, I have I. <sighs> I do have issues with it, and I know I'm now, which I'm, it kind of places me in a, a particular position because, but I did. We've it, caught me, <laughs> it, it caught me by surprise. I have to say, it was the it was the first time in a long time where the twist of it all caught me by surprise, oh, nice. and I felt re- uh, uh, like I didn't didn't spot it, it made no connection to about what was happening, and I do feel there is. I like. There's a melancholy and hopefulness to the tone that doesn't feel smarmy or forced um, that I that I like, which I thought that was tricky. 
And I don't know, maybe I, I, I'm missing Clooney on screen. He hasn't been on screen. I, I feel that I, I connected to his character. I fell for his character, and I connected to the journey of the character. Mm -hmm. And that carried me through some of the problems that the movie has, which is there is jumping of alternative stories uh, that don't seem to quite mesh. Uh, I mean, that it should it should be a lot more fluid, and but it, it's not. It feels like... It feels like, and this is happening, and then there's this other stuff happening, and and we, you have to be very patient for it to mm -hmm. wait to connect. But I didn't mind that. I was I, for this one in particular, I was patient. So I don't know why, but I think sure. the Clooney, the Clooniness of it all, of it all, and uh, I like it when he when he plays characters like this, like uh, or and and actually, I don't think think he has played an, a character specifically like this, which might might be the thing. That, uh, that was that one of my favorite carried, things. Was carried me through. Yeah, one of my favorite things was Clooney in this. I, I I really think it was fun fun seeing him do this, and he you know he really played the 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 weariness of this character in a way that I don't think I've yeah. seen him play before, and and that was one of the highlights for me. One of the things that that keeps me from saying I didn't like the movie is I, I really did enjoy watching Clooney in this. Uh, Andrew, what are some of the things you liked? No, I totally agree. You're used to seeing uh, George Clooney as this debonair, suave, uh, no dirt on him at all. But he's very vulnerable in this movie. And it's refreshing and it's different from a lot of stuff. I He might be close to, he might have that Syriana beard going on. But other than that, I don't mm -hmm. really think that I've seen him play a character like Juan said like this before. Um, I think the highlight for me of this movie, though, is... I think this movie is visually stunning. Agreed. I think that is the highlight of this movie, especially the space stuff. Yeah. Was gorgeous. Like it's up there with gravity or interstellar with like, wow, I just want to, I don't want to go back down to George Clooney. Let's just stay up here. This is beautiful <laughs> to look at. Uh, not to say, um, and that's not to take away from the beautiful yet desolate and hopelessness of like that Arctic setting that George Clooney is like traveling mm -hmm. through and everything. It's gorgeous in its own sense, but I think that the cinematography, it almost feels like it's two movies. Like they were cut by two different directors put together. Mm -hmm. Three actually, because their, their flashbacks feels like a whole another different movie, uh, which is yeah. a problem too. Yeah. It's like there oh, yeah. the are the flashbacks to when the character, the George Clooney character was young. And then yeah. there's the space thing happening, and then there's the the, the you know the survival aspect of it. So it's very much split. Well, and there's a lack there's a, of, there's a lack of coherence too to the movie and how it how it yeah. progresses through those things. Some of that is a bit intentional to keep you on your toes and and you know keep you activated. But um, I I really felt like uh, the the story movement uh, of this the you know the the story turns that happen at the end and the things you learn. Um, I, I don't know that the movie led us there in a satisfying way, even if it was surprising, um, which it wasn't completely to me, uh, but even if it was surprising, it didn't feel to me, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Complete. There was, there was just a, a lack of resolution to that story turn um, for me uh, because of the way it was handled up until then. Um, so, but that could have just been me. I think that there's a lack of, or there's, not lack. There's too much ambiguity in this movie. There's like things where like, uh, okay, you're telling me that this is going on with either the world or this character, but you're leaving out a lot of information about it. I'm like, but I want to know, like, this is stuff that I think as an audience member, 
I need to understand. You can't leave a uh, something this massive, this world-changing thing so ambiguous where I'm like, but why, how, what? Are you just... Is this supposed to be left up to the uh, the viewer to put in their own uh, idea of what's happening or mm. why this character is this way or something like that? It was frustrating i guess is the best word to say you know andrew we've 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 dragged this review down to the negatives already we didn't even give the positives a chance to just like live in the light (laughs) just for a second oh Uh, i did i threw out all my positives besides that one scene where okay i'll just say there's a scene where there's too much of something Mm -hmm. and it's one of the most tense like shocking scenes i'd seen in a movie in a very long time and that really it elevates the movie for me so much that that's where Without that scene, I don't think I like this movie much at all. I think it's interesting because I feel either I think what we're seeing here is like I think you can you either connect to the astronauts or you connect to Clooney, but sure. because there is no intersection between those two stories, that that's the movie's problem. It should really be yeah. more obvious, not the twists, but it should be more obvious thematically how one thing leads to yes. another yes. and it, and yeah. and and it's not clear and it, it's very sloppy it's like it's very like okay well this scene is done and now we're in this scene and this scene is done and yeah. then we're so it, there's no like there's no intersection of narrative that uh, it pays off but it's what you're saying it's like if the payoff i just feel that maybe and this i, I believe I, I might be making a mistake i believe that this is also an adaptation of a novel so i would be yeah. interested to to read the novel because I feel that there is a movie, a more interesting movie, where we don't go to space. Maybe totally you know what agree. I mean. Like if, if, if we would just live with Clooney and why he decided to stay behind and getting to the place where he needs to get. I'm trying not to say any spoilers, sure, even though sure. appar- apparently, according to Netflix, this has been the most viewed in like the last three weeks or something like that. So a lot of people probably have seen it already. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I feel, but I feel that they. Whoever, including Clooney, did not feel that that movie was interesting enough. So the astronaut, because I connected with that side of it, the astronaut ultimately feel a little bit like filler. You know what I mean? Even though it has that, even though it has those spectacular, you know, sequences and the one that we're not really talking about because we don't want to ruin it. But, but the problem is Clooney and gravity, it also feels a little bit with a redox. It's like, okay, yeah, we're in space and Clooney's in charge, so of course something's gonna go wrong and you know, you know, that also feels very typical in a in a in a way, an off the beaten path in terms of the main emotional journey of, of, of the film. I, I so, found all the space stuff, the like the the story stuff in space, I found it mm-hmm. all so forgettable. I came away from the movie and I, I like I'm just trying like Kyle Chandler's in this movie. I love Kyle Chandler. Like, but yeah. it was like it almost, and I know it wasn't, but it almost felt like he was just a cameo. But I know there were several scenes of them doing stuff in space, and I know there was, you know, it just it didn't mean anything to me um, because of the way the movie presented it. It just felt so weird and disconnected. I think I know why because the movie starts off with George Clooney, and you know, it gets you kind of invested in that story arc that you're initially set up with him and you're like, okay, so this movie's going to be a race against time. Okay, I'm down with that. I love race against time movies and you're progressing through that story, but then, like that, it switches and it's Mm -hmm. such a shocking like and sudden shift to the astronaut aspect of this movie that 
there was really no transition to where you're you're still feeling in yourself like, but I'm supposed to be caring about George Clooney. Why are you showing me these people? Yes. And yes. while you're thinking that, that's where they're doing all this introduction and character development for these characters, but you're not really paying attention because you're still investing in what's going back down on Earth. And by that time, I think that it's just too late. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this question: um, Is is George is George Clooney a good director? Is this a directing issue? Is what we're talking about a, a, a problem of you know putting the story together from a director's perspective? Like, how do we feel about his career as a director? I, I'm just curious how like how you've enjoyed his I, movies. I, I think he's solid, uh, uh, and uh, I think he's solid. But he that's the thing he he could have fixed some things as a filmmaker. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's there, like it just feels like there are some things that fall in this one in particular, there are some things that fall squarely on his, on his, on his court or whatever the analogy is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I feel good night and good luck is my, my favorite one Me too. of his, Me too. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but he never has gotten back to the simplicity of that. Because that one was built all around that performance, and obviously yeah. the way that he ha- handled the period and all that sort of stuff. Well, let's, let's Monument Monument Men was well directed, but the script had a lot of issues. So, I, but I just don't feel I feel that he is not that type of a filmmaker filmmaker that can elevate a so so script. And the problem with here here is the script is definitely some issues and some loops. So he's directed seven films, including The Midnight Sky, at least uh, according to to my research. And I like three of them. And I like two of them. So, like, mm. like, like, really like two of them. I like Good Night and Good Luck, and I like Ides of March. Uh, I, I think, like Ides of March, Good Night, Good Luck, and Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Oh, yeah, you know I what? Like Confessions you know what? Well. I don't think I've seen Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. I may have to... I think you should actually add that one to your list. I okay. think you'd really appreciate that one. Yeah. But Ides yeah. of March is good. Yeah, I do it's like really Ides of March. And Confessions is the most as ambitious, which is funny because it's his first. It's one, his first so. movie, yeah. yeah, yeah. But that yeah. one, that one's really ambitious in tone, in particular in tone. It's, it's a very ambitious movie. So I guess I say that to say that's not a great track record with me, you know. And, and it's like I know he's, he's he's got got it in him. I mean, sub, okay. I know a lot of people hated Suburbicon. I actually didn't think it was that bad. Um, I liked it. I, I, have I, to say. I actually did kind of like it, but I wouldn't say I like it like you know the others I've mentioned. Um and uh, <laughs> I just saw Phil wince. I was like, I liked it, and he's like, <laughs> no, yeah. it's it's uh it's more of a, I found it forgettable. Sure, than anything. No, yeah. I understand. So I'm just I I think it's a valid question after seven films to go. Maybe maybe directing's not for you. Maybe just keep acting. You're amazing at it. You know, you're great on screen. Like, I mean, I would never tell someone what to do. Obviously, you've got the influence and the power to direct movies, and you want to do that. Go direct movies. Um, yeah, but you know, for me, he's batting two out of seven, really. So you know, for me, it's just kind of like I guess I guess it'll lower my expectations on George Clooney directed movies, which is you know that's fine. It's a shame. Yeah. Uh, any final I thoughts? Don't know. I I don't know. I feel I feel we're being a little harsh on. on it's on, possible. On I mean, I'm sorry, George. Just, uh, George just, watches uh, the show, tad. and yeah, yeah, I know, and I, know. Uh, I I feel bad. Yeah, I'm sorry, George. You're you know, do your thing, man. Pursue your dream. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no post credit scene. <laughs> Again, there's a there's a worthless have a... there's a worthless credit scene. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When did you, uh, Aaron? When did you suspect? Because uh, you said that you you were not surprised by the twist. About halfway through. Uh, 
But my but my brain does that stuff sometimes. Something will click, yeah, well, and then once it clicks, it's just like you know. So well, that's yeah. the thing. Like I'm usually pretty good. Like I've been able to figure out. I mean, I, 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 stuff from posters. So you know, and I'm the guy who's who figured out uh, Fight Club within the first 12 minutes. See, Fight while Club watching got me. it. Fight Club Fight Club completely no, I, shocked me. Yeah, I spotted I spotted one of the flash frames uh, at the movie theater, and the minute I spotted that, I was like, "Oh God, I know, I I completely got it." Interesting. So, I was yeah. so pissed. Yeah. So I had to. I mean, I love Fight Club, but I was pissed at the movie theater. I yeah. kind of like have to grow grow into it. Yeah. But I'll this be, one, for some yeah. for some reason, no, not at all. Yeah. I'll admit that part of it got me. Part of it that element got me uh, at the end where something's revealed, but I did know one aspect of it really early on yeah really early on i i, I figured one part out but sure. there's there's another reveal that's tied into it that i'm like oh okay well i you know i did not see that coming at all and i like that part i do like that part i like when a movie can you know catch me doing something but uh when the catch me when it's doing something but other than that uh, i felt kind of like uh what i said with uh, news of the world where i'm like yeah, I, I see. I see what you're trying to do. It's I see the big reveal coming. You don't need to tell telegraph it anymore. It's 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 obvious. But I will say one part of this did get me. Yeah, um, maybe we'll do a sip spoil on this one. Maybe after we're done uh, with the I show, so. we'll record a few spoiler thoughts. Um, throw those uh, in the the feed as well. Um, a quick two or three minute one. Yeah, I this is one of those also rare movies where I'm I'm leaning almost towards didn't liked it, but still I'm gonna say uh, watch it. Like, it's a recommend for me. If for no other reason, then it's already included in your Netflix subscription. And, you know, it's like, it's very beautiful to look at, especially if you have uh, a nice sound system, a nice television. Like, throw that thing up there and just, you know, enjoy watching it. And and maybe you'll like it. So, yeah, I don't think it's a waste of time. I was intrigued by how popular, you know what I mean? Like, it was number one right away. Like, that kind of caught me by surprise. Me too. Like, I, I don't, out of everything that they've put out in the last month, like, that, that this one is kind of like the one that's caught everybody's attention. I don't know. That that was surprising to me. I think there is uh, Bird Box was the same way. Remember when Bird Box came out on Netflix and it was like, well, this isn't necessarily a great movie, but people just lost their minds over it and just like took. I think there is something that happens can happen on Netflix, especially with movies that have an element of this thing happens, and I want to talk to people about this thing that happens. And people mm-hmm. just people just really want to watch those immediately, and so they have a big spike, you know, right when they come out. Um, I think that's I th- probably. I some... think the Bird Box was riding the coattails of A Quiet Place, and people were like, "Oh, this is going to be the new A Quiet Place," and it that's really what drove everybody to it. Uh, and it turned out it was nowhere near as good as A Quiet Place. And the Midnight um, Sky is like the new Ad Astra. Like, is that the? <laughs> Yeah, but neither of those movies are good, so... Ad Astra's good. Come on. Come on. How dare you? How We're going to have to expand these discussions, because I'm very intrigued why you didn't like Suburbicon, and now add Ad Astra <laughs> to the mix. Um, but I have not watched Bird Box, I have to say. Like, the like the whole concept seemed... Like, listening to, like, the synopsis stressed me out, and I was like, no, I'm not watching that. Not, not watching. Nice. Don't have to review it on air don't have to review it for print i am not watching that like why would i do that to myself so i don't regardless of whether it's well executed or not uh yeah i think that not to do an entire review of bird box right now but i think my main problem with it was a lack of consistency within the world's rules that it set up 
Guys, I think that's my guys, big problem. Guys, we are with we are not talking about Bird Box. I am sorry I brought it up. Let's let's cut this right now. We are done <laughs> talking about Bird Box. This movie is coming Come gone. On. No reason to bring it, bring I say it back. I we move to on life. to the best ever challenge. <laughs> yeah, we should. I, I know. I just want to I, I wanted to hear him gag over over Suburbicon <laughs> one more time. Uh before we head on to uh the best ever challenge, I did have one final question about this. Are we just going like is this a genre now? Is space is metaphorical space movie just a genre now? Are we going to get one of these every <laughs> single year? Like, I feel like the last seven years we've had one, you know, starting back with, I mean, you start with 2001 A Space Odyssey if you wanted to, and then just kind of uh-huh. list them from there. But it's just like metaphorical space movies are just the thing, man. So, yeah, it's, it's weird people that we get one that, every like, year. Yeah, people think like Gravity and Interstellar were the ones that really like pushed forward this genre. Movies like Red Planet and uh, there was another one that came, a Mars movie that came out around the same time. Like, there's been movies like these for such a long time. I think it's just the, I think what it is is the technology that has been developed to help realize and make space movies seem more realistic Mm -hmm. and so dangerous. I think that that level is really what has taking it up a notch that we've seen over these past seven years where like, oh, now I full now I'm really getting to understand the dangers and the perils of space travel. Where movies like Star Wars and stuff, you know, nobody was scared about like space. <laughs> they were scared of lightsabers and blasters and yeah. stuff like that. Not the fact that there was metal surrounding you from instantaneous death <laughs> like and you're traveling past the speed of light that that didn't freak out anybody and i think that was a false sense of security that that movies like uh gravity just needed hey here's a reality check you think you're scared of that just you have no idea how dangerous this is yeah and i think that this is another good or exploration of it if if nothing else it it is a good uh addition to that kind of story arc and you know sucks it lends itself to the philosophical meanderings, and yeah, there's there's a lot about it. I get, no. I understand why people do it for sure. I want one where the main characters have seen all the space movies, and they're up there, and <laughs> they're right. terrified that something's gonna bad happen. Yeah, and everything goes well for them, but they're completely always <laughs> sub, sub, subverting. It's like when when is the shoe gonna drop? It's that's like right. I want that's that right. one. That's the next. That's the next step. Uh, was Apollo Eleven like the first movie that made you realize like, oh yeah, space is like crazy. <laughs> Don't mess with it. Uh, yeah, Apollo I mean, thirteen. Apollo, yep, it's Tom Hanks. Yeah, Apollo. Yeah, that that's yeah, definitely. I think so. I think you're right. Uh, let's move on to the best ever challenge. Uh, before, let's do it. Before we do though, uh, a shout out to our uh, our members, our Sifpop members. Thank you so much for making this show possible. If you are interested in being a member of Sifpop, we do bonus podcasts every week. In fact, we put uh, Juan through his um, list of shame game uh, <laughs> this week and found out what movies uh, Juan should have seen that he hasn't. And uh, so that happens on the bonus podcast this week. Lots of other fun perks. Check it out at patreon.com slash Sifpop. And thank you for even considering it. Thank you for going over there and thinking about it. And uh, if you pull the trigger, thank you so much for for supporting what goes on here. Um, We couldn't do it without you. All right, let's move on to the best ever challenge. The best movies with the word world in the title or the world word in the title, uh, as my tongue wants to to say every time I try to say that. Uh, So, yeah, what movies have world in the title? And we'll go number five to number one. Um, if you have yours higher on the list than someone else who mentions it, you can trump them. Uh, trump. 
and then just we'll talk about it whenever it gets to your place uh, on the list. So we'll start at number five. Andrew, what do you got? What's your number five best ever movie with world in the title? Uh, good friends Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are going to take us to the world's end. I'm going to trump you on that. I've got it higher than five. So, uh, yeah. so we'll wait to talk about the world's end. Uh, what do you got, Juan, at number five? In a world. That's the, 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 the number five. I, I, Which, I had this at number five, and then I remembered another one uh, that, that made yeah. my top five. So this is my six. Um, I'm so glad you brought it up. Yeah. No, I mean, I loved it. Uh, it's very it's very peculiar, um, and it's uh, Lake Bell is really great in it. So, yeah, I yeah. think she should do more stuff, actually. Uh, but, yeah, it's very peculiar to the people who do trailers and that whole that's why I said it like I said it because everybody knows what that is. It's yeah. like in a world. In a you know, world. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that they were able to build a really smart comedy around that whole thing, it's, it's great. Well, and also somebody who's worked in voiceover, who's you know done yeah. voiceover as, as part of my career, there's some really it's, – it's obvious that, that whoever you know did this knew a lot of that world. You know, because there's just some really interesting winks. Yeah, and they, yeah, they did. The, they did. It's really yeah, based on reality, but it's great comedy. Yep, it's it is good comedy. Uh, my number five is Aaron? my number five might get trumped. Uh, my number five is Wayne's World. Trump. Uh, we we can go. Oh, you're trumping it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to trump it too, but it's my number four. So are you going to trump it higher than that? Yeah. All right. I have okay. a little we'll bit wait. Than that. We'll wait. Yeah. Uh, Juan, what is your number four? Uh, a perfect world. Yes, you're hitting me right where I live, man. You're mentioning the great movies. <laughs> I'm so glad because this is another one that just barely missed my list. But yes, talk barely about a perfect missed. world. Yeah. Well, it's one of those movies where I didn't know what it was. I was maybe too immature when I saw it on the big screen and then revisited and really appreciated the subtlety. Yeah. Costner is not, came out in 93, directed by Clean Eastwood and starring him as well. Uh, Costner is a criminal who kidnaps a kid and, and this really non-creepy peculiar relationship develops between him and the kid and it's all about you know the that whole thing of nature versus nurture in a really uh subtle way so uh so yeah and 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 with the whole I, clean Eastwood sometimes is hit uh, lately has been uh with the mule and, and richard jewel has been hit hit or miss with me but i feel mm-hmm. that this is his sweet sweet spot you know this type of sort of straightforward drama with lots of subtlety thrown in there uh for good measure i have two uh, did i which one is the one that you like uh, did i what nerve did i hit did you like I richard really like i like really i really like richard jewel i think that's a good i mean movie. i i think it's solid 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 filmmaking richard jewel but i did have a problem with the the olivia the journalist like i you know yeah. that that part of it I mean, that's the only takeaway. Yeah, negative. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't dismiss. I wouldn't dismiss the movie, but yeah. the way that com- she was conveniently made to yeah. be the all evil a- as the journalist, I was a little bit insulted that, that, that was handled <laughs> that way. I'm right there with you on the mule, though. That movie's not that great. But you know the the the, the Eastwood threesome. I mean, like when are when are you gonna, gonna when are you gonna get that? Uh, yeah. yeah, two, two, two <laughs> yeah. threesome. <laughs> Uh, I, I have two things to say about a perfect world. And I think we've we've brought this up uh, recently, so I may have said one of these things. Uh, one of them is that when people tell me that that Kevin Costner can only be Kevin Costner in movies, I point them to a, a perfect world. I think yeah, it is, is, is correct. I, I think it is one of those performances where you go, no, Kevin Costner is an actor, 
Because I know there is a there's a costnerness to him in almost everything he does, but he's really acting here and he's doing some some really interesting things. Um, so it, it, I point to people to this one for that. Uh, the other, yeah, mi- go ahead, Juan. What were you going to say? Mid, no, mid nineties Costner is where the actor like I yeah. can see how people would get that, but that that whole stretch between ninety three and ninety six, before the Postman of it all, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, he was doing solid work. So uh, the other thing, this this holds a special place in my heart. It has possibly the most random movie quote that I have <laughs> quoted uh, many, many times in my life. There is a moment in this movie where Clint Eastwood, sa- Clint Eastwood says, well, I do like tater tots. And I say that <laughs> all the time. Like, what a silly random thing to remember from a movie. It's just how Clint Eastwood says it. Right? Yeah, it's well, just that voice. I do like yeah. tater tots. Well, <laughs> do you like tater tots? <laughs> Anyhow, so those are my two things about A Perfect World. Uh, it's definitely worth I mean, it should, watch. It should be number one just for that. I feel bad now. Sure, it should. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I just realized two weeks in a row, I've skipped my number five and then made my number four my number five. So. Andrew, come on, man. I, come I on. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know what's wrong with me. We're at your number three, so how do you need to correct yourself here? So, uh, World's End is my number four. Okay. Wayne's Rule would be my number three. Okay. But my number five was Master and Commander of Far Side of the World. Okay. Trump. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> but trumpet. My, okay. I'm trumpet. Yeah, but it's my, it, it's my next one. So, mine okay. is that one's my number three. I haven't got so. to talk about any movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and talk about Master and Commander because it is my number four. So, Andrew, you had it at five. I had it at four. Juan, you had it at three, and we're to your number three. Or, no, we'd be to Andrew's three, but he already said his three. Right, Andrew? Yeah. yeah. Ways right. World, which you guys trumped. So, right. Yeah. So Now we can talk about Master and Commander. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk about Master and Commander, which you have at number three, Juan. Um, since you have it the highest, yeah, tell us about this movie. No, but I feel I don't know. I mean, we haven't let a- Andrew talk, so like, uh, what? <laughs> that's true. Come on, Andrew. Andrew, go ahead. You take us into Master and Commander. Uh, it's just a fascinating period piece of you know this cat and mouse, you know, the uh, fox hunt sort of thing, and it's 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 interesting to see that the peril isn't coming from well, the peril is kind of coming from this other ship that uh, uh, that they're chasing, you know, but it's also the elements of the time, like just being on the open sea during that time like this is a movie that's a race against time because everybody on the ship is either getting sick or you know that the ocean is just being perilous or something like that so it's it's a fascinating uh look at uh bringing down the entire world just like all you care about is what's going on on that one ship and seeing uh it's just stellar performances all around i i should have looked up uh because this is one of those movies where you think that uh that it's just a a simple. Why am I having a brain fart? That it's a, a simple Russell Crowe performance. But then you look like, oh no, uh, Billy Boyd, Paul Bettany is in this movie, and there's just like a huge cast of like, oh that guy, oh that guy. Why are why are you just popping up now? Like it's kind of like how uh, uh, Black Hawk Down did that, where it's a whole bunch of famous people before they were really famous. Where you're like, is that Tom Hardy? <laughs> yeah. It's just one of those things. But uh, no, I, I also like Peter Weir. I think that he makes great movies. So totally he agree. Should get back. He should get back to it as soon as freaking possible because we miss him. Yeah, I, yes. I this this movie is astounding. I I really love this film. This this film holds probably the top spot in my list of movies I wish became franchises that didn't. 
Um, mm-hmm. I would have loved huh. to see more Master and Commander movies. Um, and it, I mean, it still could happen, I guess. But uh, but I just think it just flew too far under the radar, and not enough people, you know, really got into no. it. But it's so good. It's so very good. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find people out of, like, film aficionados who have seen this movie. It's not a mainstream movie that a lot of people have seen. Yeah. Um, I think that means we're at my number three, if I'm if I'm thinking correctly. Um, this, is yes. where, this is where I have War of the Worlds, the 2005 uh, War of the Worlds. Uh, I think I mentioned on this podcast when I rewatched this this year. Um, it's better. And it, it, it is a... St- Astounding to me how well this movie has held up, especially effects-wise. Some of the world-ending destruction that's going on in this movie looks so real, and you feel like you're there and in it. And I, I think uh, Spielberg's working at a really high level in this movie and bringing us a very tense, interesting, um, you know, uh, edge of your seat kind of thing. I, I really like this movie and, and like it even more after catching up on it this year again. Um, so yeah, definitely one, one for me to, to check out. Yeah. Uh, all right. Oh yeah. The sound, sound of the tripods is still one of the most haunting sounds ever. Yeah. Uh, on to number two, what do you got, Andrew? I don't care what either of you say. I think that this movie (laughs) is brilliant. It is one of the smartest comedies of the past couple decades. Just because it's created by Matt Stone and Trey Parker means nothing. (laughs) I'm going with Team America World Police, this movie is brilliantly funny. It is brilliantly funny. It's actually in my top 100 movies of all time. Just because it's such smart satire. Not the fact that it's done with puppets and stuff like that, but the the jokes that they're telling. If they would have been a live-action cast, I think that this would have been just as funny. Um, mm, I think it's funnier because it's puppets. I think it's definitely yeah. funnier Parts because of it's this puppets. Movie, but I think there's there's elements of this movie that are joke oriented because they're puppets that they do certain things you know mm-hmm. like the the puppet fight scenes where it's just them like mm-hmm. hitting strings at one another that kind of stuff <laughs> you know it has to be but i'm talking about like the songs in this movie are so funny it's some of the funniest it's one of the funniest uh, scripted like uh, comedies out there as far as like a soundtrack goes um it was very satirical at the time when it came out back whenever 2001-ish, it was whenever uh, first uh, or George W. was president. And uh, mm-hmm. the big thing was uh, Kim Jong-un and stuff like that. It may have come out like 2002 or 2003, because I don't think it came out the same year as 9-11. Um, I, uh, yeah, I think, honestly, this is a brilliant, brilliant movie. You're not going to get much argument from me. I mean, I did have it in my, uh, yeah, my, my honorable <laughs> mentions. Uh, it is so well done. And to me, it's what Matt and Trey do the best. Matt Damon. Um, <laughs> I almost feel like Matt and Trey kind of write radio plays and then just use, you know, like downplayed visuals to just throw some visuals on the screen. Like they are just so good at crafting the the audio of it all. And I don't mean that in like a audio production way. I just mean like the 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 songs and the lines and just the, you know, there's there's a real sense that they don't need any kind of high tech visuals to land what they're doing. That's why South Park works. That's why they're, and it's also why they're able to be so culturally relevant so quickly is because the production time is, is decreased so much. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I think this is an example of why they are as brilliant as they are. Um, uh, I, I would agree with that. Except I would, I would say that they're more like a stage play is 
kind of more because if you look at like Book of Mormon, you know, that's the perfect example that their yeah. uh, storytelling is yeah. almost universal. It can work on any format almost. Sure. Whether it be film, TV, Broadway, or if they did a, a teleplay or like for the radio. Yeah, that would probably work too. Yeah. They're uh, just good storytellers. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know why you thought uh, that, that that I would argue against. I mean, I remember having such a blast at the theater. Like, I, I can literally, like, that's what I recall. Like, it was such a, I remember the wave of laughter, like, rolling back after joke, after joke, after joke. So it's one of those yeah. really special, gratifying experience of having seen it on the big screen with a complete, yeah. and now more than ever, re- reminiscing about seeing a movie with a, a packed theater. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're... I think it's the fact that we've been talking about such serious movies all day, <laughs> and here I come with uh, puppet South Park humor. Like, no, guys, this is actually a really good movie. I think that's why I was like, Wait, where is he coming out of left field with this weird intro? But uh, no, yeah, I think it's great. Juan, what do you got at that's number two? That's my number two. Uh, that's why I trumped it. I got Wayne's World. Speaking of, yeah, like I'm, I'm going to knock you when I have Wayne's World at number two. <laughs> fair enough, fair uh, enough. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that they may, I mean, like, I like the off the wall, uh, uh, you know, the, it just spews in different directions, ridic- all of them ridiculous. Uh, and the fact that they made that skit work from Saturday Night Live and built yeah, this movie around it. It's crazy. I mean, because they, and then the, the thing of it is, like, they kept the characters did not have to change it. And they expanded the world and, and the world allowed for crazy silly stupid uh and, and actually very smart sometimes uh so yeah so and it's just very quotable and it's just uh, got a great mm. soundtrack and uh you know oh uh, yeah it, 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 it's up there yeah it's up there is it the uh, best th- is it the best uh, snl sketch to become a movie i think so I think so, most definitely. What else? I'd have uh, to I think about what others have actually become yeah, movies I, I besides I, Blues Brothers. I man. <laughs> Blues Brothers, maybe. Uh, I like this one better than Blue Brothers. I know Black. Yeah, I do too. I like no, I do too. Brothers. I was just trying to think of yeah. uh, others that I know, like um, Night of the Ro- Coneheads. Coneheads better than Coneheads. Better yeah. than Night of the Roxbury. Uh, oh yeah. Better better than Superstar. Uh, MacGruber? Uh, what about MacGruber? MacGruber's funny. <laughs> MacGruber is very, is funny, very funny. It is Wayne's funny, World. but Wayne's World's better. Uh, yeah, sorry, no, yeah. I think you're right. I think it's Wayne's World, Blues Brothers, MacGruber. I think those are the three worth mentioning. Um, yeah. Unless I'm forgetting something, which is very possible. Yeah. Uh, it's Pat. Nope. This. No, I'm looking. Oh, was Tommy talking Boy? about something that hasn't aged well. Was My goodness. Tommy Boy yeah. and uh, Hot Rod? Were those? No, those weren't skits. skits. No. Those weren't they, skits. They, okay. they, they, they have talent from the show, but they're, yeah. they weren't skits. I, yeah. I just typed in uh, SNL skits that became movies, and I just went through the list of things up top. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, my, uh, num- my number two go ahead. is The World's End. Um, so okay. this is where this is where I have that. And uh, I, for me, there's part of this that is that thing where you're so in on you know what these filmmakers are doing with Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, and then mm-hmm. when World's End came out, I felt like people were just like. I don't know. I the, the response to it was so muted, and I was like, "This is as good as those are. Like, this is really funny stuff and really good stuff." And so I think I elevated a little bit because of that. Like, I want to fight for this movie because I feel like people think it's the you know the worst of the trilogy and that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, I'm not sure. I think this is really good. It is the worst of the trilogy, <laughs> but <laughs> but I think what happened, and I I 100% agree with everything you just said, Aaron. 
is that Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, especially Hot Fuzz, are some of the greatest comedies of all time. Right. I personally yeah. think I personally think for me uh, that Hot Fuzz is the funniest movie ever made. Um, so whenever uh, The World's End came out, a lot of people went, yeah, it's funny, but it's not as good as those other two. And I'm sitting here going, this movie's hilarious just because it's not the greatest movie of all time because that would be the next step after yeah. Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. They just kept elevating, you know? So it's um, a bit of the the, no. the Pixar effect, right? Like where you do so yeah. many, you know, good things and then it's just like, yeah, it's not quite up to that. It's only an A instead of an A+, plus, you know, that kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> this movie's hilarious. It is so funny. And I love the fact that we get Simon Pegg and Nick Frost switching roles where Simon Pegg is the doofus and that Nick Frost is the straight man in this right. one. I thought that was a great transition. It mm-hmm. works. It does. Yep. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, there you go. I think we're ready for our numbers number uh, numbers one. <laughs> yes. Uh, do we all have the same number one? I'm wondering. Andrew, what do you got? Uh, mine's another Edgar Wright movie. Is yours? Mine is as well. Yeah. 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 yeah I think we all have the same number one. Scott Pilgrim versus the World. That's the one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's the one. Um, yeah. What can I say? Uh, I've I've praised this movie so much. I think it's one of the funniest, like most unique stories ever put to screen it's something that shouldn't work it's something that should not work this this uh, adaptation from comic to uh screen the way everything is so turned up to 11 it's so ridiculous the 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 wham and pows showing up on screen like the 60s batman did or the uh you can actually see the vibration waves of the music it's a very visually beautiful movie but it just adds to the ridiculous of this world. And the whole the whole joke of it is that this is what Canada is like. That Canada is just a <laughs> magical world where all this takes place normally. And that just adds to the hilarity of it all. Uh, I think that it's perfectly cast. Everybody is absolutely amazing in this. I could watch this movie every day, honestly. It's, it's that good. Yeah. Juan? I like the speed of, I mean, like everything that he just said times a hundred. Um, <laughs> but I, but I feel that a lot of modern movies don't have that sort of speed of lightning comedy rhythm to it. Like his girl Friday type of thing. And I love that. It feels like, yeah, like everybody, like, like when he wrote it, he doused three bags of cocaine and then did some more drugs. And it's just like, this, <laughs> like it's just, it goes so fast that it rewards repeat viewing because you may not, be able to catch sure. everything the first yeah. the first time around so i love that aspect uh that aspect of it and yeah it's a concept the whole metaphorical fighting the the exes of your girlfriend i mean that is mm-hmm. such a brilliant it's realized in such a brilliant witty way um so yeah it definitely had to be number one you know it's a it's a movie in a, in a lot of ways uh that is ahead of its time too and i know this was only 10 i uh, say only 10 years ago it was a decade ago uh when this came out and uh, and it kind of, it feels like it was made for a TikTok generation in some ways. You know what I mean? Like there's just there's there's a real element of meme to it. Uh, and in fact, yeah. m- much of this movie is memed uh, today. And you know that just wasn't something anybody was really doing ten years ago. Um, you know, the, so it's it's really interesting. I feel like this movie um, kind of saw the the future of adrenaline based you know uh, storytelling. I you know or content. And put it in a an actual story in an actual movie, um, and it works both ways, which is you know, it kind of bridges the generations in that way. And I, I know you know from having kids, 
that are kind of right in that zone. They love this movie. And, you know, it's kind of one of those interesting ones where, um, you know, it was, it was enough ahead of its time that it just kind of bridged generations in that way. So, yeah, I, I think this is an excellent choice for our unanimous number one movie with yeah. the word world in the title. Uh, there are plenty others. I will mention some that have been mentioned in the chat. Yep. Uh, uh, Evan says, "Does everyone have the world according to Garp at number one? Uh, no, no, Evan. We <laughs> no. We, but, we but, uh, I'm gonna go was, and bite my pillow. That was number. That was number six for me. I have to say, nice. the world according to Garp. So yeah, it didn't make the top five, but it was definitely number six for me. Uh, it's a fun movie. Lolly says, "I'll be disappointed if Spice World, the movie, doesn't at least get an honorable mention." Well, there you go. <laughs> I've, Lolly. Seen that, I've seen that movie. I've seen it. When you have a younger sister, grew up in the era of Spice Girls. I think you vicariously just had to have watched that movie because yeah. there's only one TV in the house, and when it's her time to watch it, it's either watch Spice Girls or go do your homework, so you watch Spice Girls. <laughs> I, thankfully, was not living at my house when that movie came out, so my younger uh, sister got to watch it all by herself. <laughs> uh, do you guys have any others you want to mention throughout for honorable mentions? Oh, I got a bunch. Yeah, I, I got I, a bunch, so I'll let you guys go. Okay, Juan, why don't you go first as the guest? What, in- Actually, I don't. I mean, I, I mine was a, I kind of like stuck to it. A world, right, and I, sure. And I did not mention World of the Worlds. I know if, I didn't know because it's my first time with you guys. I don't know if they were going to be stickler with the plural or not. If ah, it had to be truly world. Oh, yeah. So yeah, we should have been. It's, it's, uh, uh, and I did not ask, so it's on me. I should have asked. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the reason War of the Worlds is not because I thought. Somebody was going to well, be like, no, but that's that's the proof. If you know anything about world. if you know anything uh, about us, uh, you'll you'll know we're just we're just cheaters. We like to cheat we're the very system. Lax. As, yeah, we like to cheat the system yeah. as much as possible. So I have I have to say my favorite comment was when we kept trumping each other. Somebody wrote like, yeah, this is not confusing at all. So yeah, I All right, uh, Andrew, I'll mention my list then. Uh, I wanted to mention yeah. wor- a World War Z, uh, which I yep. love. Um, Throw out a mention of Jurassic World, uh, yep. and while we're there, the Lost World, Jurassic Park. Yep. Uh, uh, Want to mention uh, Water World, which is yep. much better than you remember. <laughs> I promise you, uh, the world is not enough. If we want to do a little Bond, um, you know I love Bond, but I hate that Bond. Movie. Yeah, it's not it's that. not great, but it's worth mentioning. Uh, I like the ter- I, I like the terrible garbage song that came out for that <laughs> for that one. That's right. Uh, <laughs> let's see what else haven't I mentioned? Cool World. You remember the movie Cool World? It was like I do. Brad Pitt. Yeah. I remember Cool Runnings. Uh, well, no, it was a live action Brad Pitt having sex with animated <laughs> animated characters. Yeah. Yes, and, yeah, exactly. And making her making her a real life girl. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's Mad 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 World. Uh, certainly should it's mention under, that. One. Yep, I'll take that one off. It's buried under a big W. Uh, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. If you haven't checked that one out, I think that's a, a valuable little title to, to find your way to. Uh, the world's fastest Indian, uh, which is an Anthony Man, Hopkins. Man, I was hoping that. Yeah, I love that movie. That it's movie really good. is so good. Yeah, it's a really good movie. It really is. Um, of course, I have to mention How to Train Your Dragon, uh, The Hidden World, uh, because I love the, the How to Train Your Dragon movies. Um, and then I'll mention it, even though most people consider it the worst movie in the MCU. I'll mention uh, Thor, Thor The Dark World uh, in there as well. Yeah. So. What do you got, nice. Andrew? Uh, I got four more. The Thing from Another World. Uh, you know, I think that uh, John Carpenter's The Thing is the scariest movie ever made. Uh, oh, yeah. A lot of people don't know that it's an adaptation of an old black and white movie, The Thing from Another World, which holds up to this day with some pretty interesting and unique uses of visual effects and lighting and stuff to make things seem 
real and more ominous. Uh, I'll throw out Westworld, not the show, the Yul Brynner movie that that Michael Crichton directed as well as wrote. Uh, Underworld. I like Underworld. (laughs) I don't think the movie. I don't think the movie's great. I just think that it's a fascinating. And it really lends itself to multiple stories, and yeah, well, definitely, they, they definitely went with that. They de- definitely went with telling lots of stories, but it's it's interesting uh, concept. We're know? certainly expanding our definition of the word honorable uh, in these mentions. Uh, with, if you're going <laughs> to include you Underworld. threw out World is not enough, one of the worst <laughs> Bond movies of all time. But I am going to end on a high note, and that is the history of the world because Mel Brooks is a genius. Yeah, oh Jesus, yeah, yeah, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. History of the World Part One. Yes. Part one. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that movie. Yeah. That movie's funny. I need to rewatch that one. Um, all right. Let's move on to the buried treasure. What is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? Uh, we let our guests finish off this. Uh, so I'll start us off. Um, I got around in my end of year binge uh, trying to put together my year end list to watching a movie that I don't think technically came out in 2020, but it's just kind of making its way into the consciousness it's a little sci-fi independent film called The Vast of Night, um, and I believe you can find it on Prime. And I did not love it as much as most of the people who recommended it, it to me love it. And I think the thing that you're going to fall in love with is the fact that it is an independent movie, and yet it's really technically well done. They do some pretty interesting things with long uh, long shots, um, you know, and then it, it's interesting because they kind of almost go back and forth between like quick cuts and then like a big long, you know, shot and then they'll do quick cuts again. And the story itself isn't something necessarily that's, you know, hasn't been done before. It's very much like a Twilight Zone type episode. In fact, the movie itself uses that framing uh, in the movie, which I actually found a little bit distracting. It's one of the reasons I didn't like it as much as some. Um, but the performances are good and you just kind of go, how cool is it that somebody can make this on a shoestring budget and just make an independent movie like this? Now it's on prime and people are losing their minds over it. So I wanted to, to mention, and it's called the vast of night. Uh, and it, it is looks available. like it kind of has a world of worlds element to it. The old radio. Sure. sure. Yeah. There's very twilight zone. I would say. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, cool. and there is that part of it that I did like. There's a lot dealing with radio which i've been in radio before and so there's that element of how cool is it to talk into a microphone and record your voice and like that thing from when you were a kid where you're like i want to be a dj and you know like that kind of stuff that's in here and so that that did kind of appeal to me but yeah check it out it's called the vast of night andrew what do you got for your buried treasure i'm gonna go with season nine of letterkenny um Mm. you guys know me i think that letterkenny is one of the one of if not the funniest shows on tv right now um it is something that you have to know who you're uh, recommending this to because it's unlike any other comedy on TV. It's very lyrically based, like uh, quick retorts, almost like if Aaron Sorkin did a whole bunch of cocaine and like everybody in his <laughs> movies like talked 90 miles an hour. But it was, yeah, like people are saying pitter patter, pitter patter, like in the uh, it's so quotable. That's, that's what I love about it. It's recurring jokes total over and over again, yet somehow they remain fresh, which I think is very hard to do, like to have uh, re- re- repeat jokes that you're like, oh, I'm glad that they brought that one back. Uh, you love these characters. Every single character in the show is so well thought out and created to where the town of Letterkenny feels so real because it's based on the real life uh actions of all of these people like in it's like a culmination of all the towns that grew up in around the same area of canada uh 
yeah, the show is great. If you haven't seen it, give the first couple episodes a uh, a watch so you get a, a an idea of like the way that the show is told and stuff. And if you don't like the uh, the stylization of like quick talking or uh, the use of a lot of slang that you have to really uh, like look up to see what it all means. But once you do, it's so rewarding, I think. So that is definitely my recommendation. They're all on Hulu. I watched the entire ninth season in one day because they're each like 20 minutes and there's only seven episodes every season. So you can go through <laughs> the whole thing really quickly. Nice. What do you got, Juan? I have a movie that came uh, out uh, at the end of October in Netflix and it's called uh, Vampires vs. the Bronx. And I just feel that it, it, like, it's one of those like hidden gems that everybody should have been talking about and they just could have slept right under the radar. It's very much, it hits that nostalgia spot for me. It's the very uh, monster squad of it all, uh, goonies of it all. It's these kids who are, uh, who uh, Latino kids who live in the Bronx and they're, uh, uh, they're buying all the locations and then they sort of find out that the people who are gentrifying the neighborhood are vampires and i love the fact that it's this directed by os rodriguez who does a lot of the short films in saturday night live right now it's his first feature it doesn't seem like it's his first feature and the humor of it is i like that the humor of it is very smart but it doesn't sacrifice the the conventions of a horror movie so if you like vampire vampire movies but there's that thing It, it, it exists in both and both genres, which made it really special for me. So, uh, yeah, uh, definitely feel that a lot more people should check it out. Did you mention, uh, you know, did, did I hear you mention Attack the Block? Or did you mention that movie? Because this, this reminds me a lot of the movie Attack the Block. It does, I did not mention it, but it does have some things in common. About yeah, it. yeah. yeah but, it feels... the tone, the, but, but the tone of this is very much like, it, it, it's a little bit more uh, Monster Squad, Goonies, than ah, Attack the Block. Got it. Attack, got you it. Know. Okay, so good to know. Just, yeah. The, the the plot is similar, but but the tone of it is more uh, that sort of '80s kids movie. Uh, but I but like I said, I like the fact that it's truly funny, smart comedy, and that doesn't sort of it doesn't throw the horror aspect just to sacrifice the the comedy of it all. Uh, so yeah, nice. nice. You want to hear something funny? Sure, always. Two yeah. of the act, two of the actors in this movie are from Letterkenny. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I don't think any of them yeah. were in Vast of Night, so unfortunately, I, I failed. Yeah. I failed to connect well, the dots, you know, guys. Some, I apologize. Yeah, what, what, what were you, gosh, just like Aaron. Clooney. See, you are the Clooney <laughs> yeah. of, the, uh, of this right. podcast. You did, did not connect the dots. It's all my fault. <laughs> uh, before we finish up, uh, I do want to say, yes, this is usually when we would be doing our Sif Pop Movie Awards for the year. Uh, we will ah. be doing those soon. I wanted to let you know those are coming. Uh, this has been obviously a strange year, and so a lot of the uh, big releases have come later in the year, and we need a couple more weeks to prepare for that episode. May have some fun new twists to the Sif uh, Pop Movie Awards this year. Uh, they may become mm. the Sif Pop Yearly Awards. Uh, maybe throw in some mm. television in there as well. Uh, and so, yeah, it could be an interesting uh, interesting award show, but that will be coming, and I uh, wanted to let you guys know about that. You can check out my personal top 41 of the year. My fave 41 is out. Uh, you can check that out on my letterbox or my Twitter, uh, as well as an update to my uh, favorite movies of all time. Uh, expanded that to 200. So my favorite 200 movies of all time 
uh, are up on Letterboxd as well for you to check out. Well, we did it, guys. We did a podcast. Woo-hoo! We went to podcast space and returned home safely. It's amazing uh, what can happen. Uh, thank That's you too so much. much. Podcast. That's yes. way too much podcast. That's too much podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Sif Pop is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out with me again today. Thank you, buddy. Huge thanks to our producer, Phil, for producing the show, both audio and video. Thanks, Phil. Thank you to <laughs> Drew for putting together the graphics you see on the show. And thank you to Juan for being our guest today. Thanks for coming and hanging out. Thank you for having me. Uh, Thank you so much. Juan, is there anything you want to promote? Anywhere you want to send people? You know, tell where can people find you on the internet? Uh, Well, I would have to say I'm very active in uh, uh, in Instagram right now. In terms of uh, for the pandemic, I've been doing two recommendations a day, and I try to you know throw throw out things that people are not watching. So it's at Juan D. P E L I C U L A de película for any if any of the, the people who know Spanish it's one de película or you know uh, we it, we can throw a little graphic later on <laughs> but uh, yeah uh, and I do tweet in English and Spanish so I did publish my top ten of the, of 2020 so you will find that there on IG so if you can follow me we can talk movies and I'll be happy there it is there. Thank you so much. See, <laughs> See, the show's got a producer. Producer Phil right there, man, coming through. <laughs> that, He's amazing. Yeah. So give me a follow there and we can talk and keep talking movies, which is my favorite subject. Awesome. Much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members as well for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month and you get access to all the bonus episodes as well as other fun perks. You can find out more at patreon.com slash siftpop. Uh, you can connect with us in lots of ways. Feel free to rate, comment, leave a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Um, or you can email us. We actually have an email address. Feedback <laughs> at siftpop.com. Uh, and finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too. So make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than being a terminal patient who outlives the rest of humanity. Uh, we will be back <laughs> next week uh, with another special guest. And I th- I, In fact, I think uh, Curious Low is going to join us next week. And uh, oh, we'll cool. talk uh, pieces of a woman and probably one other movie. But uh, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.